All right. Well, this morning we are in First Peter, so you can uh, turn there. Uh, we are kind of in a uh, transition point, as Pastor Doug kind of mentioned this morning, uh, going into the next section soon. Uh, so yeah, you can get to First Peter there, and uh, while you're turning there, I'm just going to pray for us. Uh, Lord, we thank you for today. Uh, Lord, I thank you that, uh, yeah, we have a great children's ministry that we can have fun on Sunday mornings. Lord, I, I do pray for our, our Sunday school teachers uh, that are teaching this morning. Lord, we thank you for them. Uh, Lord, we thank you for your word, and we just pray now uh, that you would speak to us, uh, speak through me, Lord. May all glory go to you. Uh, we thank you that uh, you have something for us this morning. Uh, that you can encourage us and challenge us, Lord, and we thank you that uh, we have this time together. In Christ's name, amen. So 1 Peter 1, uh, and I'll be in verse 13 is where we're starting. Uh, we'll get there in a little bit, but that's kind of where we're going to be working through uh, today. But yeah, you are what you do consistently over time. Uh, you can say whatever you like about what kind of person you are. You can say whatever you like about the character traits that you model. But none of it really matters unless you actually live it out. What you consistently do over time shapes and transforms who you are and who you are becoming. Doug, have you drank from any of these? Nope. Great. <laughs> I drank from the left one. I might drink from the right one later. So we are starting a process right now at our house of doing some more home renovations. Uh, pretty exciting. Yep, it's fun. Uh, one of the central questions, though, that Shane and I are asking ourselves is when we look at this space, how can we make it function best for what we actually want to accomplish as a family? How do we want to utilize the space that we have? Have you ever sat down to think through what kind of person you want to become? Uh, what are you working toward in life? Not just skills, but your, your actual character. Have you ever done this uh, with, with your spouse or with your family? Talk about what kind of identity you're trying to create for your home. What kind of things uh, will your family be about? What will you be shooting for? Uh, and I don't remember doing this uh, as a family growing up. Like, I don't remember my parents sitting us down to, to talk about this. But I can tell you that our uh, home, uh, the Jepson household, was a place where everyone was welcome. Uh, it was a place that my friends were always allowed to come over almost at any time. Uh, and it was a very busy place. And that's what my parents wanted. And, and they wanted to have that space for us. Uh, and my parents were able to be parents to some of my friends who didn't have any. And that was kind of that identity that we had there. So I ask you this morning, what kind of family identity does Gospel Chapel have? And again, it's easy to say things like, you know, we love one another no matter what. And everyone's always welcome and God is most important. But we are what we do consistently over time. So today we're going to talk about being holy and loving deeply and the marks of being an exile you know, we are to be holy, but what does that really mean? And, and we're, we are to love sincerely, knowing that we have been given a pure heart. But how do we love? 
And we are to live knowing that we have been saved by Christ. So how should that change our lives? In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, and I'm going to go to chapter 2, verse 10 today, uh, not all at once, but we're going to work through it. I believe this, this chunk is a new family identity for believers. Uh, and it's one that applies to us today. So I'm going to be reading uh, starting in verse 13, if you're there. I believe it will also be on the screen. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He has foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has made him made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. You know, there has been a lot of in instability in the world, we know this, and there's been a lot of talk both in, the, in Christian circles and non-Christian circles about the future of the church. I read an article uh, a number of weeks ago now from, I can't remember if it was one of the news, CBC or Global, whatever it was, but they had talked about, you know, just kind of the future of, of the church, and they were interviewing different pastors and stuff about what's been going on. And last June, a good friend of mine uh, texted me, this isn't insider trading, but he said, look, you're going to want to buy stocks in AMC. You're going to want to get some AMC stocks. So I thought, okay, that's really interesting. And uh, I was looking into it, and, and there was this um, investigation happening where uh, these AMC stocks were being purchased illegally by hedge funds, and uh, if you got them legally, which is very easy to do for us, you just go and buy them, uh, then when these illegal ones are called upon, the, the legal ones will be skyrocketing in value. And uh, the Department of Justice just last week is doing this big investigation, so it's getting pretty exciting. Now, <laughs> when I purchased these stocks, I was warned multiple times from my Wealth Simple app, do you know what you're doing? This is very volatile. This is risky. And I, you know, yes, 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 buy the stocks. But they just kept warning me. It's very, very volatile. And Devin Chersonoff, he loses sleep at night because of what I've done. You know, he doesn't sleep very well. He's not here today. He said, you shouldn't have done that. You should buy in Google. It's stable. It's going to be fine. Or Tesla or something like this. I don't know. Uh, so I was putting my money in a very volatile position. Now, don't worry, I didn't put much in. You know, just $20,000 or something. No, just kidding. <laughs> didn't put much. Don't worry, Shane. We can still do the renovations. <laughs> now, when it comes to the church, and I mean not necessarily Gospel Chapel, though it is true, uh, but the church, the church will be here forever. I am all in. I'll put my car, my house, I'll put all my savings on the line because it is not unstable. It is not volatile. The church is the present and the future. It is rock solid because of Jesus. It is the mode by which God will work in this world. 
The church is holy, it's set apart because we are the church. And according to the Bible, we are holy and we are set apart. We have good works set before us to do. So if we know that we are set apart, that we are holy people, then what do we need to choose to cultivate each day? What should we be doing? And how are we spending our time? How much time and and what level of quality are you consuming things around you, consuming media? How much time are you spending in God's Word? And and what kind of conversations are going on in your head? Uh, what, What are you talking about with other people? This all plays into who you are and where you are going. Some self-awareness is really valuable here. You know, when the pandemic uh, first started, we're almost two years, wow, crazy. Uh, When it first started, Shane and I were watching this uh, TV show that reimagined what the world would have been like if uh, Germany won World War II. Uh, And so we were watching this show, but it was just, things were just so bleak in our world as it was, and this show was pretty bleak. It was like, you know, we have to stop watching this. It's affecting us negatively. It's, it's not good. We noticed that it was affecting us. So we had to stop. So how do the things and, and the people that surround you affect you? And so in verse 15 again, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. You know, watch how things and people around you affect who you are. You know, especially right now with so many people just being so angry. Everyone's angry. Every day, I think it's easy for us to find something to be angry about. Apparently, I didn't know this. um, I probably should have known, but apparently Valentine's Day is called Friendship Day in the school. So, I mean, I kind of get it. But I was asking Shana this week, I said, why is it called Friendship Day? You know, this Valentine's Day is my birthday. You know, I have a bit of pride about this day. Uh, anyway. Uh, so I asked Shana, and she said, you know, probably because someone got angry about it. You know, and so that's why things changed. Everyone's angry about something right now. Uh, but God does not call us to be angry. He calls us to be holy. So instead of anger, choose hope. Hope leads to confident living. Look in verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Set your minds on hope, on Jesus, regardless of the circumstances. Don't focus on the wrong things. And, and this is why I don't go online anymore. That's right, I've quit the internet completely. I'm done. I don't go on because it just affects me negatively. I mean, I do check my email from time to time, and I do check the weather sometimes on my online. I have a hockey pool and I have Audible. I check Instagram once in a while and Facebook Messenger, <laughs> maybe Fitbit, Sportsnet, and my CrossFit stuff, but that's it. That's all I do. I've quit the internet. But I think we need to ask ourselves, what are we choosing to cultivate each day. What you do consistently over time will result in who you will become and who you are today. Is your life all about fitness? Is it all about social media or TV? What about the Bible or prayer or your inner life? What, what are you saying in your head? What's the conversations going on there? What you're talking about with other people? This all plays into who you are and where you're going. Are you being transformed 
by the hope you have placed in Christ? Are you becoming more like Christ over time or more like everyone else or more like something else? What do we value that is counter to the rest of the world? Are we any different or are we actually, are we actually set apart at all? Be holy because Christ is holy. We are set apart for a specific use. We are holy because we belong to God. And holiness is, is living for God and, and others. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So number two, the first one was talking about holiness. Number two here, we are a community that loves. So picking up in, in verse uh, 22, if you have the passage there. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. And then continuing on in, in chapter 2. Uh, so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So you might say, yeah, that's what I want. I want to be transformed. I want to do away with the things in my life that are dragging me down. But how do I do it? I think a, a major aspect of that is, is that it takes place here in the church. Our individual growth is shaped with our church family and those around us. We love one another while we are doing this as individuals. And, and because we all share in this same story of the gospel... We know we are in this together. It's the gospel that unites us, and it ties all of our stories into one. So when we come to know Christ as our Lord and Savior, our sins are forgiven, and, and we, we pull up the chair, and we welcome the brother and the sister in, regardless of their past. We come to the table together, broken and hurting, and we stick it out together, even though it can get tough. One, one pastor put it this way, the disciples don't bail on Jesus because of Judas. You know, we can't bail on the church because of one another. It's not an option. Sometimes it can be difficult. Sometimes we say, well, I don't really want to go to this church anymore because of this person or that person or whatever else. But we don't have that option to bail because of one another. There may be some exception to that rule, but for the most part, I believe that to be true. And, and, you know, this, I wrote this down. I was like, do I really want to say this? But I'm going to say it. You know, we don't all have to be best friends. I know it's hard. Uh, we, don't, we, don't, we don't have to all be, you know, close buddies. Uh, you know, if the requirement for being part of the church is that we all have to really like each other a lot, I'm not sure if there's going to be a future for the church. But there is more to that. Uh, there, is something, there is something deeper. And I know that sounds a little weird to say, but I'll say this and see if I can get in trouble or not. But I, I have met Christians that I don't really like. So when I was at Briarcrest, 
there was uh, this group of people that took it upon themselves to say, Briarcrest doesn't have enough Bible going on here, and we want to make sure that the scriptures are being read out loud in all the public spaces. So, okay, fine, fine. I'm not, how can you argue with the Bible? But there we are in the dining hall at Briarcrest, and there's a guy in the corner shouting and screaming Isaiah to me while I'm trying to eat and socialize with my friends. And I am just slowly getting more angry because, yes, I love the Bible, but I don't necessarily need a guy shouting it at me while I'm just trying to have lunch and talk with my friends. And so this was getting me very, very agitated. And in fact, Shana told me yesterday, I don't think she's ever seen me more angry in my life, maybe a couple times, than I think they called it Scripture Corner. Scripture Corner? Yeah. So, okay, that's a confession. Maybe you're going, well, what's your problem, Ben? Anyway, I didn't, I didn't like that, and I don't know if I really liked some of those individuals. Now, I love them. I wish them all the best, but I hope they don't continue with Scripture Corner in that way. So if I attend a church and I meet someone and I don't like them or maybe I don't uh, have all the same things in common or we're not going to go fishing together, that doesn't give me the opportunity or the option to bail. So I, I can't just go, you know what, I'm out of here because that guy's a Calgary Flames fan. Um, you know, there's not a single person in Gospel Chapel here that agrees with every single thing with me. It's probably a good thing. Uh, there's, not, there's not a single person here who maybe agrees with every single thing and every way that I've landed theologically. And that's okay. In fact, it's probably good because then I can learn where I'm wrong. Uh, but despite all of that, I want to be committed to figuring it all out together. In fact, I want to be committed to figuring it out even if you're a jerk to me. Even if someone is really mean to me, I want to be committed to figuring out why because the church is the only force that will transform a community, that will transform a country, and that will transform the world. So help me, we have no other choice but to figure this out together. We're going to have to. And I know many of you have told me how hard it has been to come back to church since we opened up in the fall. And I have wrestled with some of this anxiety myself. On one level, I can see you know, it's easier just to stay home by yourself with your family and watch the church, church service, and I get that. But I think there's something more to it. I think there's something else going on there. And I think that we've gone through a very difficult time together. And, and it's been a time where maybe things have been revealed about one another that we maybe didn't know before, and it's been a little bit surprising, and maybe it's even been a little bit hurtful. And now we've all come back together in a sense and we're here on a Sunday morning, and it can be hard to worship together. But we are going to have to figure it out because there is no other option. There is no other option. We are going to have to extend grace and forgiveness to one another. And if I have hurt you, or if, I, if you're upset with me, then come and talk to me about it. And I know that's not easy. I get it. But for the sake of the gospel, let's do it. Let's do the right thing. Because there is a bright future for the church, for this church specifically, for this town, if we can do it together. And, and I believe in a church this size, especially when, when we start growing and, and new people are coming in, 
it's so important for us to find small groups. And, and it is important to find those people who we go, yeah, okay, these are my buddies, if you want to say. Not clicks, but small groups, a group that's dedicated to your growth and, and who will stand with you through tough times and stand with you in that spiritual realm and that warfare that you're going to be facing. Because isolation is not the answer and it's not healthy. And it is a, a recipe for stunted growth. You know, Shana has had to force me a number of times just to get out and go be with other people because it's easier for me just to isolate. Isolation is just easier. Who you are is what you do consistently over time. So is resentment and bitterness toward another Christian growing in your heart? There was, there was one pastor I was talking to um, out in Saskatchewan, and he, their church, it, it just got really, really ugly. And, um, and they're trying to put the pieces back together. And, and one, one guy that was particularly hurt, you know, they've invited him to, you know, please come and join us again. And as he got into the building, his, his blood pressure just raised so high and, and he fainted and they had to call an ambulance. I don't want to get to that place. Uh, we don't want to go that direction. And it's sad. And I don't think we are, but I, I just, I want to be mindful of that. Uh, another author puts it this way. When you're deeply in love, division is unfathomable. I can't imagine a situation where it would be easier for me to leave my wife than to work through the issue. I love her too much. The distance from her would be devastating. In the church, we divide easily because we love shallowly. You know, loving other Christians is hard. It's so hard, in fact, that you need the Holy Spirit. It can be, anyway. You need to have a relationship with Christ, and you need to be actively growing to do it. Uh, another pastor put it this way. When someone does you harm, what are your options? Go get them, do nothing and bottle it up, or go get them and love them. Restoration. You know, we don't have to let people walk all over us. We are called to be active and not passive, and we are active in restoration. We should be ruthless in restoration. Uh, 1 John 2 says this, Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. You know, everyone says we need to love one another. You, you hear that everywhere, in and out of the church. You know, the Beatles said it's all that we need. Uh, but I hear little about how. And the best I'm hearing right now in our world is you just got to tolerate everyone and let them do what they want. Uh, don't ask too many questions because then maybe you're not loving. That's not love. Love is hard work. People are annoying. The only way to do this is, is through Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. You may be able to get by partly on your own, but you're never going to be able to go and love everyone without the supernatural. And this is what I believe is the, the, the litmus test of the Christian. If you want to know how deep of a relationship someone has with Christ, watch how they love. You know, I can dress up as a, a ninja, whatever that might look like. I might say, you know, I've got my black belt in karate and I'm just this master ninja guy. But if I don't prove it and break a cinder block with my forehead or something, I'm just dressing up as a ninja. Or, you know, you could dress up as a cowboy and do the whole thing and say all the right words and even have all the right language. 
But until you actually see me ride a horse and do whatever they do on the horses, I, I'm just a phony, right? I, I don't have it. And in the same way, I can tell people I'm a Christian, I follow Jesus, I go to church, but until I can prove it with love, with the love that I show to others, forget it. Uh, another author puts it this way, I thought this was good. Are you relentlessly forgiving, relentlessly warm, relentlessly open, relentlessly approachable, relentlessly gracious, relentlessly vulnerable? Consciously, do you find yourself forgiving? Do you find yourself being positive to people who are criticizing you? Do you find yourself being able to affirm people even as they're harming you? Do you find yourself being able to continue to pull for the success of people who have wronged you and harmed you? Do you find yourself being gracious, open, and vulnerable in your dealings with people and in your manner and in your face and in your tone of voice and in your comments? Or are you peevish? Are you touchy? Are you sensitive to criticism? Are you always feeling that people are slighting you? Are you cold? Are you smug? Are you self-righteous? My friends, this is the way you know that you believe the gospel, having purified your soul by obedience to the truth unto love for other Christian brothers and sisters, loving them without malice or hypocrisy, envy, and slander of any kind. You know, I write my goals out every year, and I try to track to see how I'm growing, but it never occurred to me that maybe one of my goals is to see how I'm loving on a deeper level. You know, my love should be growing. Are you loving better and deeper this year than you did last year? Authentic love seeks the truth. That means I need you to tell me the truth about myself, and you need me to tell you the same. You know, when I was first starting here as a youth pastor, uh, there would be times where I would, with some of my leaders, in a joking way, say, well, you know, I'm the youth pastor, so I'm going to make the call, or I get to make this decision kind of thing. And I remember Shana being like, hey, you're coming off as a big jerk when you say that. Stop saying that. And I'd go, oh. And I thought I was just kind of being funny, but Shana was like, no, I need to point this out to you. And I was glad she did. And as, again, we're starting these home renovations, I was telling Shana, I said, I want to try to do some more of this on my own. I want to try to learn. I want to try to build some of this stuff. And she said, that's fine, honey. But if you're going to be grumpy the whole time, forget it. Because sometimes you're grumpy when it's not going right and you're trying to build these things out of wood. So it's good. I'm very grateful for Shana and her honesty for me. Now I feel like I've just painted Shana as a jerk. She's not a jerk. She's a lovely, lovely wife, and she keeps me accountable and on the right track, so I appreciate that. I think in many ways, love is like a muscle. Um, last year, I joined the CrossFit Games. Anyone can join. It's not that impressive. Uh, but I joined. And, uh, and they announce a workout every week for three or four weeks, and you have to complete the workout within four days, and you submit your score, and they put you up. So last year, the, the first workout was doing double unders with a skipping rope, which I can't do, and then a thing called wall walks, which I also can't do. So it was very uh, deflating. So a wall walk is where you lay on your stomach and your feet are against the wall, and you push up and you walk up the wall with your feet until you are facing the wall, okay? So I can't do that. I, there's funny footage of me trying and falling a lot. This year, I, I joined again. It started on Thursday. Guess what the first workout was? <laughs> wall walks. I'm like, man, I didn't practice at all. I didn't, I thought, I can't do that, forget it. And there it is, wall walks. I'm like, God, I should have I practiced a bit more of the wall walks before we got it, because there it is again. Now, I did the workout on Friday morning, 
and you're supposed to do three wall walks and then do some other stuff and just keep it over and over and over. So I took you know, 15 minutes to do it, I took 10 minutes to do three wall walks. So I, I did do it, so I was pretty happy, but it was, it, was, it was really, really ugly. In fact, well, we won't go there. Um, the, the, uh, so I checked my score today. I'm, I'm 54,000th in the world. That's my placing after doing that. So whatever that means. The guy who won, uh, he got first place five years in a row. It's unheard of. The two years prior to that, he got second. And that was like getting last place to him. So he's like, it's first or nothing. And he got five, five years in a row, he got first. But what he did was when he got second, he figured out exactly all the movements that he wasn't as good and he practiced them. So he bought a rower because he wasn't as good at rowing, and he rowed every day for 365 days, uh, and he did five kilometers every single day. Showed up the next year, sure enough, rowing, beat everybody. If you want to be better at loving others, you're going to have to practice. It is just something that we have to practice. We have to forgive others. We have to ask for forgiveness. Don't talk behind people's backs. Be willing to be wrong from time to time. Cheryl, I'm going to skip over this quote for the sake of time. So at, the, at my last point here, we are exiles. So reading at uh, verse 4. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. This is what just ties everything together from this morning. Our identity is formed in Christ, which makes us exiles in this world. The here and now is not all that there is. There is more to come for us. We are exiles because we are holy, we are set apart, and one of the things that sets us apart is our love for one another. It all connects. It all ties together. It's a circle. You know, our time on earth is more than just a waiting room. We have a purpose as exiles. There is a large narrative that we can take part in that God, the creator of the universe, is inviting us into. Isn't that exciting? Consider the fact that each of us here has been created with a purpose and gifts and skills to make the world around us a better place. We talk a lot about the darkness and all the stuff going on around us. Well, let's do something about it. There's stuff going on and we have the Holy Spirit. We have relationship with Jesus and we can make this world a better place. I know it won't be fully restored, but we have work that we can do. We can invite others into this exile movement, the life of following Jesus. 
And, and the trouble, I think, with being exiles is we're not always sure what to do with the world around us. Do we just ignore it and, and we just hide away? Or, or do we try to dominate it and take it over? Or perhaps we conform to it just a little bit? But what if instead we try to cultivate something new? What if instead, much like John the Baptist, we prepare the way for Jesus? Preparing the soil, working the ground, having things in their proper places for the day of Christ's return, which we may not even see in our lifetime. We don't know when he'll come back, but we, have, we can do something now for something ahead. Instead of us being concerned about our own legacies or concerned... Um, concerned about the work of Christ and our contribution to it while we're here and investment in the future. We must be about the future, doing what we can today to prepare for a brighter tomorrow, for the work of the Lord tomorrow. So God created us and this world to enjoy and to bring glory to his name, to be fruitful, to create, to sustain. And due to sin, we are more naturally uh, we more naturally do the opposite. We destroy one another, we abuse, and we waste. It is our calling in life to offer ourselves to God, our work, our knowledge, our skills, how we love one another. And when we do this, we show the world around us a new way to live. We don't conform, we don't destroy, we don't hide. We show the way, and, and that's the way of the exiles. That's the way of Jesus Christ. So if we are holy then we are set apart. When we're set apart, we have a purpose. And that purpose is to love one another deeply, to give our lives to preparing the way for Christ. May we do this consistently over time. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for all that you've done for us. I thank you for the gospel. I thank you that you have saved us, that you have created us, that, that you have given us purpose and meaning, even sometimes when it doesn't feel like it. And when things just look bleak or when things are tough or anything like that, Lord, we just really want to be able to, and we should be able to lean into one another and into the church, uh, that we have our family, that have our backs, and, and that we are growing together through the struggles. Lord, may we rest in you and in your arms. Uh, Lord, may you strengthen us for the work that is ahead. May you help us not to have fear and anxiety and stress, but may we have joy and passion and excitement for the work that is before us. So Lord, we thank you that, that we are a holy people, that you've made us holy and, and that we uh, can rest in you, that we are going to stumble and we're going to fail and we're going to have problems, but that we can continue to have our eyes fixed on you, uh, that we have a, an identity because of you. So Lord, we thank you for these things and we pray in your name. Amen. All right, my friends, have a great week, and thanks so much for joining us this morning.